it's time to quarantine. Welcome to Stuck at Home with Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. It's Thursday, May 21st. Here are your hosts, Jason Smith and Cliff Dorfman. Hey, welcome to another episode of Stuck at Home with Cliff and Jason. Jason Smith. Cliff Dorfman, hello. How are you? How you doing? How's everybody? Everybody good? Thank you for joining us today. Jason, I'm glad you were able to make it. Uh, you know, I, I do my best. I, uh, I actually today, normally I, I'm here and ready to go like 20 minutes early. And today I was, um, I was playing some, uh, I was playing some mobile video games in my room up until about two minutes ago. So, uh, what were you playing? uh, Hearthstone, which is like a card. It's like magic, the gathering, but with, uh, with world of Warcraft characters. Were you doing well? Um, I have my moments. Um, <laughs> this was not one of them. This was definitely not one of them. Um, <laughs> I like that new mic. You look, you know what you look like? You look like a, a Gillette commercial from the future where somebody rides a motorcycle where that's the controller to make that thing oh, move. Oh, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> now, I just took this from my kid's room because he just happens to not be playing Fortnite because we keep fucking with these mics trying to figure out the uh, the audio. We're narrowing it. We're, we're on the home stretch. Yeah, finding the clicks and the pops. Well, This seems good. we got to get a popper. Go on. Oh no, I'm just really excited. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I have something to talk to you about, but I really want to get this guest going. He's here and ready to go. Ready, I right. would love to, to get talking with him. So I'm going to let you go from here. Yeah, let's bring him on. I, I am, I am a, a very big fan. So again, I, I did my little writing thing. So I, I thought to introduce our next guest today i would use some of his words because his podcast is one of my absolute favorites i'm a huge fan and it's the jordan harbinger show and he decodes i'm gonna use his words so he decodes the stories secret skills of the world's most brilliant people and turns their wisdom into practical advice to change your own life and he, he talks to everyone literally from spies to ceos he's got admirals from the navy dennis quaid malcolm gladwell fucking molly bloom Nadja from pussy riot it's like this guy's gamut and by the way it's all from his networking skills which you got to get on his website the six minute networking course which is unbelievable and this guy's life story is is tremendous so i'm going on and on how much i love this guy ladies and gentlemen jordan harbinger jordan hey how you doing guys What's good. Up? How are you? Good. Speaking of stuck at home, it's just so weird to like. I'm like, oh god, I this is a live thing. I should like do something about my hair. And then I was like, I can't even get a haircut. What am I supposed to do? I'll just wet it so it doesn't look like I haven't done anything with it for two and a half months. So uh, here we are. No, see, I, mean, I love the excuses. I was going to say, Jason, that I up until about uh, 30 seconds ago, I thought I was the best looking guy in podcasts. Right. And then this <laughs> fucking guy came on, and now everything's changed. If it makes yeah, you feel any better, I never thought that about you, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> and Jordan, I mean, your hair Thank looks you, way better than whatever the fuck is going on with my beard right now. Oh, my God. So. <laughs> I, it's going to be like shearing a sheep when I finally get it all cut off. I got, like, little curls going in the back. I mean, usually the sides are shaved, and my mom goes, do you have gray hair? And I was like, I do, but I don't know how long I've had it because I've always been shaved on the sides. And she's like, I bet it's been, like, freaking 10 years and you just never noticed which is totally possible Good. it's like gray just right at the temples in the perfect in the sexiest place where you can go yeah. gray yeah absolutely I, I had the short haircut too until jason just informed me it was all right and luckily <laughs> oh. i was able to grow it in during this quarantine now i think i'm gonna keep it yeah you don't like the fat you didn't like the fashy you had going <laughs> i didn't realize that was what was happening i was like oh it's just military i like it it's easy it's uh compact easy to go yeah. you know no, yeah. no military paramilitary i think is the technical term well, if anyone would know, Jordan, it's you. So first of all, thank you for being here. I really, I mean that because I am a huge fan. A lot of what I did with the Cliff Dorfman show, it's very much based on what you're doing with your show, how you talk to these people and, and find these mile posts to, to, to give to the layman, anyone. Say, here's how you can use this. Here's how you can improve yourself. So I can't thank you enough for being here. Now, I have yeah. a bunch of questions. All right, let's do it. Okay, so I found it very interesting in, in, you know, learning more about you, that there were two people in your life, and both people in your life came at pivotal points. The first guy was the FBI agent when you got mm. in a little trouble, and he came to you and he said, there's better for you. Don't fucking do this. And then later in life, it was that partner, right, at the Wall Street firm who came to you and said, here's how 
you stay out of the office all the time and make deals instead of doing billable hours. And these seemed like two pivotal moments that absolutely changed your life. And they were just simple things that people said. Yeah, I'd just like to hear your thoughts about those two things. Yeah, so for me, I, I was... I wouldn't say I was always kind of a punk or anything like that, but I was always a little bit bored of, I was bored of everything that was happening. Cause I felt like in school I was learning a bunch of stuff, but it was just like not relevant. And I think everybody feels that way about school. And I finally got in trouble I because I was bored as hell. <laughs> and this FBI agent that finally kind of came to, I wouldn't say my rescue, but he was, a guy who finally got it because the school pr what happened was I'd ordered what well, among many other things I'd been ordering pizzas for the school on fake credit cards and the cops came in and they were like how'd you get the credit cards is your parents credit card did you steal the credit card and I'm like guys there's no credit card there is an algorithm that makes credit card numbers and you can literally just make up new numbers and it doesn't even matter as long as they look real because back in that in the 90s they would write your number down on a slip of paper, and then, like, every Friday, the manager or the pizza place or whatever would <laughs> get a, call an 800 number and then read off 8,000 credit card numbers from whoever had been ordering pizza that week, and they would run the charges and reconcile everything. Now it's all done in real time. When you swipe your card, you know, that goes through a system, and it, 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 it authorizes the charge. They used to have to do that asynchronously. So over you'd buy your pizza, and then three days later, they'd do it on a Friday or, or whatever. So... I knew that that's how the system works. So I was like, so all I need to do is say four, six, five, two, whatever. And then it looks like a regular credit card number. They'll deliver the pizzas the next day. They think they're getting paid on Friday. And I call from a payphone, and nobody's the wiser. So I ended up having to come clean because they were going to throw the book at a friend of mine. And I thought that was really unfair. So I, I just copped to it. And the cops were just like so confused. So they had to call the FBI because it turned out to be an interstate crime or so they thought because they found a wow. regular person whose name happened to match the name I just made up, which oh, was pointless. So they were like, <laughs> Oh, it's an interstate crime. The FBI guy comes in and he's like, look, this is not an interstate crime. The vict, you have to do something across state lines. And he's just like, this is stupid. Do community service or something, send him to a social worker. But to me, he was like, dude, if you are coming up with this stuff at age 13 and you're knowing how these authentication systems work and finding holes in these authentication systems at age 13, you should not be doing it. You don't use it to steal pizza. That's like being it's the equivalent now of being an actual hacker, not just some punk kid finding a hole in a system and being like, I can change my grades. It's like, who cares? <laughs> you you literally can break into like Chinese intellectual, pro you know, factories, get intellectual property from nope. Russian Missile Perfect factories, day. and you're like, but I'm going to get an A in social studies. It just doesn't make any sense. So he kind of taught me, he's like, look, if you don't screw up your life, you can do something that's more important and better. And I was like, hmm, and maybe. Well, What's that? what I find so, well, I said, now we have you. Because yeah. what I find so fascinating about this is that uh, we're about 10 years apart. I'm uh, 10 years your senior, let's say. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, not an in intellect, but, you know, just an age. So in that, I have a very similar story, just the phones. You found the phone, I found the phone. For me, the phone was about using it to enhance my social network through fake shit. Mm -hmm. You know, I would just find people's numbers, say it was other people, get in touch with them, find out where they lived, and then, like, find a way to do business. It was a very weird way to do it, but I did it. I would get into premieres from it. What you did is, is absolutely, you're, you're a genius by far. You find this <laughs> phone thing, then you steal the thing from, the, the phone thing from the worker, and you're listening to all these adult conversations. And this long-winded way is me getting to the idea that you found your own way, your own blueprint for social engineering. So can you talk to me a little about that? Yeah, sure. So are you referring to when you say I, I took the wait, which story are we talking about right now? Because well, I'm are talking a about you taking the phone and mm. then ultimately cloning phones and not doing it right. for profit. But then what you started to realize was, you know, when you were working with the phones, you said, OK, well, now I could take this idea and I could turn it into uh, finding people on the Internet. Because at first you wanted to just learn how guys were interacting with girls so yeah. you became a girl on the internet huh. to find oh, out that story right, right. yes yeah. so you, okay so go ahead take it yeah. away yeah so what happened originally was among the other things i was getting in trouble for was back in the day you could take analog cell phones so now cell phones are digital right like there's there's digital data being transferred through this before they used to be analog which meant they were basically two-way 
radios. And these radios, I'm looking for some uh, better way to explain this, but these radios were essentially one channel was the outgoing call and the other channel was the incoming call. So you could tune the cell phone, so to speak, using a program on your computer or just hack the phone internal firmware. And I'm using the term hack pretty loosely here. You could change the firmware in the phone and it could scan available phone channels. I also took a lineman's handset, so one of those orange phones, out of a, a truck and I was using it to clip the alligator clip ends onto phone line pairs that are in those green boxes on the side of the road. I made like a tool to open those boxes. I didn't have a life as a teenager, as you're starting to gather. <laughs> so I started listening to conversations over and over and over. And I was like, man, these are really, this is like the first time, age 13, 14, where adults are taking on like a three dimensional, they become real people instead of just me being yelled at by them, them giving me homework, driving me places, you know, my parents, whatever. This is the first time I heard real conversations from adults that weren't like, ooh, the kids are around. Let's use euphemisms and let's like not show our feelings and don't let on that something is wrong. I was listening to this guy uh, over and over and over. One of my neighbors was getting divorced and he would talk with like his wife or ex-wife. You're uh, just sitting in the bushes eavesdropping. Literally sitting in the bushes. On the big lineman's phone. Yes. And it has a speaker mode. Oh, I lost your audio. No, because I clicked it with my nose. Go on. Uh, so I would, yeah, be sitting there on this on this speakerphone or whatever, listening on this lineman's handset, just listening for hours. I'd, like, bring snacks. So I learned how this guy was talking to his soon-to-be ex-wife, how he would talk with his buddies, how he would talk with his sister, how he would talk with his mom. And it was interesting for me because I remember he'd be talking with, like, his mom and his sister, and he's like, why doesn't she love me? I don't get it. <laughs> then he'd talk to his buddies, and he's like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. That bitch, she sucks. <laughs> you know, I was like... It was it was like a Key and Peele sketch or something. It was like so ridiculous how this guy, his personality changed. And I remember thinking at age 13, 14, if this guy just talked to his soon-to-be ex-wife like he talked with his sister and his mom, you know, he probably wouldn't even be in the situation in the first place. He, he He's just like so standoffish with her, probably never told her how he felt. Now, obviously, adult problems are are like they're real. So I don't know what I'm actually talking about with this at age 13, 14. But... I just started to get an insight into human nature that I realized other kids didn't have. And I would I would literally be spending like six hours a day eavesdropping in phone conversations. So I had early exposure to what you would think are a very adult, very private conversations, which is hopefully the statute of limitations is up on this. So <laughs> that led to me really being fascinated by this whole thing. And a, a couple years later, I ended up getting a job at a security company making their websites and the guys were always, they were all older guys that were like doing bodyguard stuff or like being door guys. And they were always like, yeah, what's your dating life going on? And I was like, dude, I'm 15, 16 years old at this point. I don't have a life. I don't have a dating life. What are you talking about? I'm talking with women on America online, instant messenger, you know, whatever. Like that's my dating life. I don't have a real dating life. And I remember one of the guys goes, you know what you could do? If you want to learn a lot about women, make another account and just make it a woman's screen name and see what the guys are saying to you. And I was like, that is genius. That is genius. For social engineering. That was like the beginning. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm surprised I didn't think of this. You know, he wasn't thinking of it as social engineering. He was thinking like, you'll learn what it's like on the other side of the coin. And so I made this screen name as a, as a, like it was, it was like bikini something like it was really girly sounding screen name. And I would look at all the DMS coming in and I'd be like, these guys are really, really plain. They all say the same thing. And I'd bring printouts to the guys at work and they'd go, okay, so every guy's saying this, why don't you try saying these other things, test it. You know, when I, they'd be like, yo, when I woke up to a girl in the club, I'd be like, you know, so they're giving me all these lines. They're feeding me all these lines. I'd, I'd use some of them, split test it. And then I remember seeing a lot of like kind of pervy shit coming in. And I was like, huh. This is the thing. Now, now this yeah. is, before you get into this part of it, I really want to say, I don't know if anyone's ever mentioned this before, but to me, when I listen to this, it, it seems very obvious that you basically created uh, To Catch a Predator. Yeah, it's like a honeypot. Yeah, yeah. But you created this. No one was doing this. You're the one who brought this to the FBI. So please continue yeah. with this because I am blown away by it. Yeah, yeah. So I, you're right. I kind of did create To Catch a Predator. So I'm getting all this pervy shit in my inbox. And... Like, I just thought, oh, these guys are such losers. Like, what a bunch of clowns. So since I was already taking the printouts to work to get my cool guy pickup lines from my colleagues, my coworkers, I started to take these these printouts of the crap that was coming into my inbox to get a laugh out of the guys at work. 
And for a while, they were like, ah, look at this guy He's sending you a like a picture of a rose made out of like letters and numbers from the keyboard. Like, what a tool. <laughs> or like a guy would be like, hey, sexy bikini girl, you want to come over and have like, uh, I'll buy you a milkshake. And we were just laughing so hard at these like nerdy things. And I was like, okay, note to self, avoid this because it sounds super corny. But I can see how guys think they're being like, Casanova with this bullshit. Right. But then it started to get creepier and creepier, and I, I didn't really notice. Because, again, remember, I'm like 15, 16 years old, so I'm taking these well, pronouncements to work. This is important. You're 15, 16, and yeah. you have set up bikini girl whatever profile as yeah. a 15, 16-year-old girl. Oh, not even. I think I wrote in the profile, 14 years old, located Ooh. in, you know, Troy, Michigan, wow. or wherever I was. Like, that's where I grew up, but it was probably somewhere right. around there. Okay. And... So guys would hit that girl up because, again, I'm 15, 16. I was probably talking to 14, 15-year-old girls, maybe 16 at at that age anyway. Uh, So I figured, okay, I'm going to hit my target demographic. So I'm starting to get more and more pervy, pervy stuff. And I'm bringing these printouts into work. And this guy who was my boss at the time, uh, actually, one of the guys who was my coworker was like, oh, man, these these guys are creeping. These guys are weirdos, like whatever they were calling them. And then my boss goes, let me see this. And he takes it, and he's like ex-military guy, and he takes the printouts, and he's reading them, and he goes, hey, man, this isn't funny. And I was like, oh, crap, I'm going to get in trouble at work. And he goes, no, 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 you're like, you're in trouble. This isn't funny because these guys are predators. This isn't like some guy with weak game. Look, it says here that this guy's like 38 years old. And I was like, yeah, so? And he's like, when you're 38, you shouldn't even be thinking of, talking about, looking to talk to 14, 15-year-old girls at all. 14-year-old girl. But it had never occurred to me because I was 15, 16. So I was like, oh, I guess it is creepy that this guy who's 40 or 38, 35, 33 is even in a chat room that's like teen chat number 12, you know, on hey, AOL. You want to take photos? You want to take do a photo shoot, babe? That's what he was saying. He's like, oh, you want right? to be a model? I'm a photographer. And I was like... Well, look at this guy, like he's trying to get this girl to model. What a what a but my sixteen year old brain was going, What a cheap ass. He doesn't even want to pay models. And then I was like, wait a minute. Uh, what a loser. He's going after younger girls. And my boss is like, This is not just loserville. This is predator illegal thing. So we called the cops and the cops were like, Oh, okay, uh this where's this older guy talking to these girls? And we're like, on the internet on America Online, and they're like, Where where where's that? And we're like, It's on AOL on America Online. And they were like it's not funny, what do you mean right? it's on the internet? Because these people had never seen America Online. These are like Detroit wow. police officers. So we call the uh, Troy police, where I where they knew me already, not, and um, <laughs> yeah, and they were like, oh, um, this isn't something we can handle. And they're like, let me get back to you. So they get back to us, and they're like, America Online servers or computers. They didn't even call them that, ser- computers. They're in Virginia. Right. AOL Corporate is maybe also in Virginia, but probably also in California. The, but mm-hmm. the phone number you dialed, that's in Wixom or some t- city near me in Troy, Michigan or Ann Arbor. And But the guy, we don't know where he is, and you're in Troy, so call Troy, call Wixom, call Virginia. And then it was like, holy shit. So my boss goes, no, we, we're going to call the FBI. They have jurisdiction over wh- wherever this guy is, Again, wherever you are, and wherever he is. the FBI into right. your life. Right. So enter the FBI into my life, and then... They, at this point, th- this is, again, the agent, not the same agent, but, like, the same office where they're like, uh, oh, uh, Jordan Harbinger, got a little <laughs> note here about you. You know, like, nothing <laughs> big, no file. On your file. Yeah, right? there's a, a post-it, post-it that says punk-ass bitch. Um, and, <laughs> with you know, potential. With potential, yeah. Hopefully right. it had that. Possibly so they, recruit. Go possi- on. Possible <laughs> recruit call back right. in 20 years. <laughs> so... So th- I, they go fax us this stuff because we don't really understand what you're talking about. It doesn't sound like there's necessarily a crime here because we don't really get it. So we fax it, and the guy calls back like right away, and he goes, where is this from? I'm like, it's from a chat room, and he's like, huh. Then I come back next week with, you know, 28 more pages of creepy chat shit uh, from AOL. Then the next week I come back with 13 more. And so I'm just faxing this stuff over, and finally he calls back, and he goes, look, so I contacted our cyber crime division or whatever because they don't first of all cyber crime now is just crime but back then cyber crime was like four to six people in the Washington DC FBI office I don't really know how many there were there could have been right, a dozen but it was, uh, but it was like yeah. not every FBI office had cyber crime and it was it was only the crime they were dealing with from what I understood when they told me about this they were like dude we deal with like large scale bank wire fraud 
between right. like when you wire money from like Lloyd's of London to like uh, State Farm Insurance to J.P. Morgan, like that's the right. kind They're of cybercrime for money laundering, money transfer, fraud on that level. They're not yeah. set up for all kinds of crime, which right. eventually they, they, they will be. This is brand new, and it's this exception. is ninety five, ninety six. I mean, let's give that context. This is not being done. No, no, it wasn't. And so they were like, wait, one guy is getting contacted by, like, molesters online? Like, this is so weird. And they were originally kind of like, okay, what are you doing to, like, bait these guys? Like, how are you finding them? Because they were thinking, how are you finding multiple molester weirdos on the Internet in this one chat room? Like, are you just in this weird kid, like, kitty toucher chat room? And I was like, dude, any chat room. Any chat room I go into on AOL is, a, and I will log off and I come back and my email, it's like, you've got mail. 60 freaking messages from random pervs. And it was just like, what's happening? So then they go, wait a minute, we need to bust one of these guys and, you know, and make an example out of them and then maybe they'll get the picture. So what we did was I told him that this 14-year-old girl, as the 14, 15-year-old girl, she's going to be in... Ohio on vacation with her family because we found out where the guy lived. I just asked him. He's like, oh, I live over FBI here. I'm like, I was well, able to do that. Oh, you just they, asked the guy. I just oh, asked the guy. Oh, I just <laughs> yeah, said, like, he's like, where do you what, like, want to come over? I was like, oh, I don't have a car. He's like, oh, I'll pick you up. I'm like, well, where do you live? I don't want to go too far. Oh, I live in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'm like, oh, okay. I live in Troy, you know, and he's uh-huh. like, great. And then I'm like, okay, this is where the guy lives. They go, tell him you're going on vacation to Toledo, Ohio, which is like right across the, uh, Oh, because they want him to cross state lines? They want him to cross state lines. Otherwise, so it's, it's like, because yeah, it's, it's, it's still, yes, the, the crime is committed uh, on the Internet, but they were like, just so jurisdiction is damn clear, because I guess they don't want the case thrown out and everything. Because, mm-hmm. yes, they'd probably be able to establish that it was an interstate crime because AOL servers are somewhere. This is more or less unprecedented. So they go, let's yes. just have them cross state lines. Then it's really cut and dry. Like, you drove across the border. Too. Thank yeah. God they listened to you, and now they're putting together a case. They're putting together a case. We mm-hmm. lure this guy. I didn't get to, like, go to Ohio or anything. That would have okay. been dope. But they were <laughs> well, like, tell him you're going to the Holiday Inn, whatever, Howard Johnson, whatever it was. I don't want to slander any brands. Going down there, your parents are going to be gone all day. And this guy was like, yeah, when they're gone, I'll come by an hour later. You just wait. Uh, and then I'll do, we'll do a photo shoot somewhere else and then, you know, have like a drink or something. And I was like, Oh, I don't know if I have a drink. And then he's like, and I'll bring you back home before your parents uh, get back. And I was like, great. So I thought there's no way this guy shows up. What, what is this guy even doing? This guy could, I mean, this was straight out of to catch a predator. This dude shows up. I don't know if he had wine no, this coolers was straight or out of your life that they again yeah. went and made to catch a predator. Really? That, yeah. I mean, I don't pre any of that. It's pretty any of that. I don't think they yeah. got the idea from me. I think there are just so many kid touchers online that it was like a f- foregone conclusion that this was going to happen. So they catch this these guys, and it is, it, th- th- this was like a big victory for me, a big victory, I thought, for the police, FBI, because he gets arrested by locals plus FBI agents or whatever, and they're like, pat yourself on the back. And I'm like, what about the other 38 guys while we were setting up this operation so we start. And how old are you at this point? Just I'm 16, 15, 16. I must have been 16 because I was driving age. to work by myself at this point. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So and, I'm like, right. I want to know more about this. And they're like, what you're going to do is hand off all these conversations to these other FBI agents, female agents, because what they can't and won't do, they don't want to do, is have me go and testify in 12 different trials because I'm a minor. And mm-hmm. it's super weird for the FBI to be right. using me for this in the first place. And the prosecutors, I guess, and the FBI agents were like, dude, we cannot have our our like yeah, primary witness, witness be this freaking kid. You know, like what the what the hell? So I at that point would get screen names of these guys, get the conversations, send the conversations onward to these female FBI agents. Or I guess they were I don't know if they were female or not, but I assume they were. Right hand them off to these FBI agents. They would already have the background. And then the story, I believe, was, oh, I don't really use that screen name as much anymore. My friend does. So they would kind of hand it off to this FBI screen name who would then do it. That way, they didn't really need me for this. They could kind of like, I could be kind of like the the honeypot and they could take over the operation. And as far as I knew, they did this for quite some time because there is an endless, and I mean endless supply of pervs online that were down for this. And we know this even now. I mean, there's, there's documentaries. I haven't seen this one. I have it bookmarked. 
mm-hmm. where there's FBI agents and police in other countries, they have got like 20 different cam things on at any given time. And they have like huh. some sort of software that shows like underage women as them and they're typing chats and they're like trying to lure people in and, and catch them. It's a shame because wow. it shows you a really dark side of human nature. And, and I will admit it felt good in the beginning, but it really was disturbing and still is because these were just pervs You're in my 16, local area. Man. You're yeah. 16. You it was know, too much for me at that, that point. Could be getting, you know, and this is like your, but meanwhile, you're helping all these people. And, and what you started to do was see how you're, unbeknownst to you, maybe you're building your brand. You mm-hmm. use the skills you learned from the talking, you know, and adults talking. You move that into learning how to talk to girls by already at 16 working with a security firm. Then you turn that into basically a business model to catch predators. Mm-hmm. Right, and now you move on to Wall Street. Now, now I I can go through your, your life is fucking fascinating to me, but I I, I do want to um, ask you about this. Yeah, it's been in the news. I have two things that I want to talk to you about, and I don't talk about news; it's podcast stuff. Mm-hmm. First, I want to see are, are you up to date on the uh, caller daddy stuff? Uh, I saw and heard. Normally, I would never bother. I want to caveat this, but people were like, "Here's a show that had." everything going for it and was massive and watch these two pardon my latin fucking idiots just ruin a multi-million dollar business and and they were like you know there's not a lesson in here for you because you're not dumb enough to do this yourself but they were like it will make you feel better about yourself in some ways because as hard as we work to build shows these two women who were obviously talented in some way and took off with barstool sports and really got the right backers they just decided that they were hot shit and didn't need any help doing They just thought, oh, we went viral, which is, like, not how podcasts work. And now they're going to get sued and make no money instead of making literally millions of dollars a year showing up and talking millions. about getting laid or whatever the hell. Right. But wait, can you back up for a second? You said something. You know, it was funny, but it's also very interesting. You said, by the way, it's not how podcasts work. No, People it's not. People do yeah. think they go viral. Can you explain that? Podcasts do not go viral. They're really hard to share. They're really hard to discover. So the big thing with Call Her Daddy, that show was they had partnered up with Barstool Sports. So Barstool Sports, whatever the way that that, um, they run their stuff is they probably pushed this out over their email list on their website. They probably had a bunch of paid ads running for the YouTube version or whatever this was. They definitely Mm -hmm. did paid placement. They started off with a bang. They had a bunch of other people they were doing cross promo with and they got hundreds of thousands of listeners if not more to this show with these two two brand new podcasters never that i believe before. never seen before which is a right. miracle i mean to to get a show that has a six figure audience is massive it wouldn't surprise me if the show had had a seven figure audience honestly i believe it, it did huge. i believe it went from 12,000 to a million downloads in less than 6 months that's ins- that's crazy right and, and it's not by just going viral. Thank you for no. making that clear to everyone because this is a strong thing. It's not a thing. We build. You work. How long have you been doing this for? Starting from... 14 you know, years. Yes, 14 years on serious radio, mm-hmm. uh, doing your, uh, I want to say charm school, but it's really more social skills. Yeah. You know, on, on you know how to teach men to talk to women. And, yeah, I don't do know, that anymore, but that's how no, I started. No, I'm saying, yes, yeah. but that's all a part of it. This is all part of you building a brand for all these years. Yeah, how it, do you it, feel now it, that you, I mean, you're in this place? It, well, now that I'm in this place, yeah, it's awesome yeah. because now it's like I can talk to, like today I debunked that plandemic nonsense bullshit document, you know this fake documentary? But tell me. Plandemic, have you heard of this? Yeah. No, I haven't watched the news in seven years. Oh my so tell God. Me. So planned, uh, it's not news, it's a fake, it's a bullshitty documentary where this guy, th- this this fake acti- whatever activist guy brings on a disgraced scientist and this scientist who's gotten in trouble for, like, trying to steal the lab equipment from her own lab after getting fired. I mean, she's just a total lunatic mess. Not she's crazy. saying she's, like, anti-vax, and she's saying, you know, oh, the plan- this is all a hoax. It was made in a lab. It's a conspiracy. I mean, it is just the dumbest idiot trap ever. 
but a lot of people online are sharing it because, you know, a lot of us are not necessarily scientifically literate. Uh, everyone's at home during quarantine. So this thing has gone viral. And I was like, no, 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 I got to have a voice of reason. So I can do all kinds of conspiracy theory debunks. I can talk with uh, people who do show any, any, I can talk with any topic that I want. I mean, another show I did this yeah, morning that's not dives. out yet. Yeah, yep. the deep dives about how to make the most out of the quarantine, uh, how to ask for advice. Those are always fun. I did a show this morning about forced organ trafficking going on in China where they're like executing people and selling their organs on demand for transplants. It's really gross. Um, uh, I have I just, a, what? It, it's awful. So, yeah, so this there's is this the newest one. This is it's uh, it's not out yet, actually. Oh, wow. um, there's a group called the Falun Gong, which is like some kind of Buddhist offshoot Tai Chi type deal. They are routinely rounded up in China and imprisoned, and they are now finding there's doctors against forced organ harvesting. They're finding there's a lot of testimony that they're taking these people, putting them in prison, blood testing them, giving them cross match sort of identification. And then you can like if you had a bad liver, you could call a Chinese hospital. They would go get somebody who's a match for you that's in prison. They would execute them right then take their liver out and get it to you and put it in you within a few hours or a few days. Meanwhile, does it wait matter times, what they're in prison for? No, they're in prison for believing in Falun Gong. It's like a religious persecution system. They're not an actual criminal. They're a prisoner so they're of conscience. they're only taking the people following Gong and they're killing them to extract their organs yeah. on a legal basis within the government. Yeah, it's called Falun Gong. It's like some sort of Tai Chi oh, Buddhist religion. So they'll take these people who are a threat to the Communist Party and they will literally kill them for their organs and sell the organs so wait times in the united states for organs are like 12 months 36 months wait times in china for an organ you pay out the nose they're expensive but the wait no time is like five days two days a week the the only way that this is possible is if they're like a million like is it you oh, know, oh no seven um, figures six figures, no no five? it's six figures yeah six figures, six figures. yeah right. and insurance You're starting at six figures yeah, I mean, look, uh, there's varying prices, but I remember asking. I think kidneys were like $160,000. Liver was like $230,000. Like, I'm sure pricing varies, wow. and it's probably negotiable. Um, but they're telling you when you do it that it's a, a prisoner that was on death row. That's their official story. But if you do the math, one in, I think, one in a 1,000 people is going to be a match for you unless they're your sibling and then you have a one in four chance or something like that. So even right. your own sibling, 25% chance. 25%, right. So if you have a one in a hundred or a one in a thousand chance of being a match for somebody, oh, it's one in a hundred, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Then that would mean that you have to have hundreds or tens of thousands of prisoners on death row at any given time because they're not just, like, how long are prisoners on death row? So they have to be executed right. just coincidentally on the date that I show up to get a transplant? How was that? <laughs> yeah, just that day you needed the kidney. Yeah. Uh, that heart. How, many, how just, many people are being executed on that one day? Yeah. So that they, so it would have to be thousands of executions uh, per day. It's impossible. It's, just it's not impossible happening. unless they're killing half the country in the prison. No, they're keeping them around until somebody comes along, and then you get an organ on demand. So I did a, a show about this Holy with a doctor. Shit. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's like there's there's an investigation from a China commission done by human rights attorneys, and they're like, this is unequivocally happening. They have recorded phone calls where people call these hospitals, and they're like, Holy yeah, shit. my husband's sick. He needs a kidney. He's not going to live uh, much longer. He might have a year or two. And they're like, yeah, sure. Come on over here. And well, how long is it going to take? Huh. Uh, five days. And it's like, five days? My doctor in Canada says it's going to take five months if I'm lucky. Wait, wait, wait. No, 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 five People days. People can do this in Canada? You fly, to, you fly to China. Yeah. You fly to China. But you it's, call from Canada and they're like, yep, we got it. Get here. And you fly yeah. to China and you get your fucking transplant. Yeah. It's not like Chinese farmers buying these uh, uh, organs from prisoners. It's wow. foreigners supplying the Chinese Communist Party with revenue because it's a it's a profit oh. generation center. They're saying it could be up to nine billion dollars a year because they're doing like 30, 60,000 transplants in, per year in China. That's a lot of dead people. And they're taking them out while these people are alive for, quote unquote, maximum freshness. And we know this because there are actual doctors who are coming forth and blowing the whistle and saying, here's a video of like this happening. Here's how many people I killed before I you know claimed uh, asylum maximum in Canada. Freshness. I yeah. want to just get that clear. Maximum Gross, right? freshness. Yeah, well, we're talking about fucking souls here. So yeah, yeah. I, I have to say it's it's outrageous. But this is why I love your fucking show. Because you talk about this, you'll you'll debunk a documentary, you'll talk to a woman who is the head of disguise for the CIA OTS mm -hmm. office. It's like, you know, you'll talk about the difference between what it is to be a full analyst. It's not people running around the street. You 
cover all these topics. If you're not listening to his show, I cannot recommend this highly enough. I know you have a hard out, so I wanted to get one more question in for you. Sure. I just am curious to your thoughts on this whole Spotify Joe Rogan thing. Uh, I think it's actually pretty awesome for him, obviously. Uh, <laughs> how's it going to shift? Yes, up? it is awesome for him. How's it? I mean, that check, though, I, I bet you it's $200 million. I bet you it's $100 million up front, and then if he doesn't lose like 90% of his audience, it's probably like another $100 million. Just on download bonuses? Yeah, I bet he's got some solid download bonuses where it's like, hey, for every $100 million downloads or something annually, you get like, you know, another. I don't know. It, I mean, what do I know? I don't have any insight to the deal, but I bet you that's how right. they structure it but, over but three how does years. It translate, you think? Like, and how do you think it shapes up for our industry? Well, you know, the question is, does it fracture the podcast space enough that it matters for us? Like, a lot of people go, "Oh, you know, one less competitor in the general ecosystem," and I'm like, I'm not worried about one less competitor i don't compete with joe rogan i mean who can he's the, you know it's right. a huge ass show it's like huh. saying i'm got a community radio show and i'm competing with howard stern like let's be realistic <laughs> here yeah. um i would say though that the problem the problem that comes readily to mind for guys like you and i is how many people discover podcasts because their friends are like bro listen to this joe rogan and have you tried dmt right they're bringing people <laughs> into the ecosystem and then they go huh what else is in this podcast app that I'm using to listen to Joe Rogan? Oh, the Cliff Dorfman show. That's cool. I saw that on Twitter. Oh, the Jordan Harbinger show. That might be interesting. They're finding us through that. Now, they'll still be able to find us if you're in Spotify. I'm in Spotify. Right. But are there going to be enough people who are no longer discovering Joe Rogan because he loses a ton of his audience? I mean, I don't know. That's sort of the argument that people are making. Right. I, what I worry about more is this like macro idea that podcasts are being slowly uh, YouTubeitized by Spotify. And what I mean by that is right now you can get a podcast on any open system. We can mm -hmm. run our own ads. We can decide who can monetize us. If you're on Spotify, they can monetize you without your permission, and they are not going to pay you anything because they're running ads before and after your show. But just wait until they have AI that goes, ah, here's a nice natural break in conversation. We're going to run an ad in this show, and the Cliff Dorfman show is going to have a break right here, and then we're going to pop in a toothpaste ad, and we're not going to pay Cliff Dorfman, or we'll pay you like one cent on the dollar because it's our platform, and go F yourself if you want a share of it. And if you don't want it, fine, remove your show from Spotify. We don't care about you because you're not Joe Rogan. So I do worry about that a little bit. You know, That's like, they hold a insightful. lot of power if, if they're the only platform in town that people are listening to. Now, that may or may not happen, but Apple is not fighting for podcasters. They are completely asleep. They've lost a ton of market share, 50% market share or more over yes. the last, you know, decade and change. And their big move right now is, well, we're going to make our own in-house podcast. And everybody's like, dude, what are you talking about? Who cares? You're going to make some true crime? What the yeah. fuck are you talking about? Well, and we talked about this yesterday, too, that Apple, for podcasts for Apple, it's like a non-starter. They do it just to, to have it as an extra uh, yeah. add-on, but it's not a profit maker for them. Right. It's not a profit maker for them. There's some people who are like, I, I want to listen to podcasts. Oh, I need an iPhone. OK, but I mean, they they're not tracking that. That's not that's not even a tenth or a hundredth right. of a percent of their revenue from even device sales. So they don't really care. So in a way, it's good because it'll bring more people to multi device listening. I think for YouTube, it's bad because YouTube is like, I mean, look, mm -hmm. a lot of people only used YouTube to listen to Rogan and then they go down that rabbit hole. I'm really not sure how it's going to affect anybody that way. I, I think there's probably yeah, somebody brings up a nice uh, yeah. a point in the in the chat here. The podcast app doesn't even make the Apple keynotes. Nobody even talks about it. And the app has gotten right. significantly worse. So it'll be good for Spotify. Will it be good worse. for podcasting? I don't know, man. Anything that limits competition among apps is bad. However, Spotify has like 10% market share right now at best with podcasts and Apple has like 60% and they are not even trying. So if it gets Spotify another 10, 20% market share, fine. We have a contender. Maybe Apple finally freaking wakes up and starts acquiring and there's more money put in the space and there's more technology. Like we shall see. The problem is if we end up with some sort of walled gardens where like well, if you're not on Spotify, you can't be an Apple. Or, or if you're on Spotify, you can't be an Apple. Or if you're in Apple, then you right. can't be. Like, we don't want camps where you 
like we don't want serious XM where it's like if you want to listen to radio, you have to use this. Oh, and we're not going to have any podcasters on this and that. It's going to become a problem if things become fractionated like that. It's better to have everything available everywhere because then you, you don't have this crap where it's like, oh, you want to watch us? You have to get Apple TV and install the Showtime Now app, and you got to pay a separate thing for that. Like, hmm. no, I just want to watch yeah, crap. check out at that where point. I've checked out. I, I yeah. don't want to have to install anything. So I'm, <laughs> I'm on the fence. Uh, a lot of people do think it's going to be bad for podcasting. I'm still not sure. I think it's too early to tell. I think Spotify bought themselves a bunch of market share, but uh, I don't really know if it's going to be bad or good for us in the long run. See, I usually love when Jason comes on, but today I've been dreading it because I know you have a hard out. I'm so I knew when he came on, you had to go, and I don't really want to let you go, but you know, I, <laughs> I appreciate to. that. I wore the red hat to be the official red light Jordan. Nice. I want to let you out of here. You are, uh, you have been awesome. And Jordan, um, where can we find you across you social media? Where, tell everybody real fast. Sure, I'm at Jordan Harbinger on Twitter and Instagram. People can add me on LinkedIn. Believe it or not, that shit still exists. Um, and the Jordan Harbinger Show is my podcast. So I would love it if people check it out. And thanks to subscribe, listen. Th it's amazing. Thanks to you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's always fun. Oh, Jordan, it's great to have you, man. Thank support. you so much. Keep Talk doing to you. your show. Thank you for everything. All right, guys. Jordan Take Harbinger. care. Bye, Jordan. Yeah. Oh, I could literally have talked to him all. Oh, I mean, he's got a life, man. I need That's... another two hours. I need, uh, dude, did you see we're breaking into it? It's like I didn't even. Dude, I have so much information to talk to him about. I got to get him get him for a long-form interview for the Cliff Door. I have to. This guy's got a three-hour convo in him. Easy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. We're going to have to take him. Found... We're going to have to take him. We're going to have to kidnap him for a third time. Yeah, we didn't even get to talk about the fact because it's on his Wikipedia page. So, like, if you read the Wikipedia page, you know he's kidnapped twice. I want to go a little deeper here. Plus, I wanted his opinion on stuff. Very fascinating things he was saying, especially about the exclusivity. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely got he's definitely onto a lot of stuff that there are concerns. I, I think that, um, you know, it's a it's a it's a it's a weird world coming out of there. And in some of the same stuff that he's feeling concerned about Spotify, I think I was feeling about Apple a couple of years ago. And I always get concerned um, when they start trying to, you know, there's there's tracking pixels in podcasts that are kind of starting to come out. There's people creating ways to, like, monitor your listening habits in these these Spotify platforms and these, you know, Apple platforms are the places where they can do that. And so there's yeah, always be easy to run those trackers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's right. good to be able to have, you know, our, the way podcasts have been traditionally let out is these RSS feeds, which are not controllable. But as we we unify under these platforms, all of a sudden that isn't true. And like what he says with the ads and all that stuff and the way Spotify pays the artists for music already makes us all nervous. So we, we, we got to hold on to that. And that's one of the things Joe Rogan actually got in his um, deal was he gets to do all his own ads. So he not only is going to get bonuses in this hundred mil. He's also going to still make all his ad money, and it's not going to get sold through Spotify, and they're not taking a cut. Well, I don't know if they're taking a cut with it. I assume. Yeah, that. but it's the uh, it's the the sneaking the ads thing in that was really fucking yeah. fascinating to me. Oh that yeah, that was the you know like hey, if you don't like it, uh, there's toothpaste ad that we're giving you a penny on the dollar for. Uh, you know, fuck off out of uh, Stitcher, or fuck off yeah. out of uh, you yeah. know wherever out of uh, that, what's the you know what's that's the, the that's the scary thing that could happen on the other side too is where you go. Well, I have my own ads in there, and they start pulling your ads out. You know. Right. Spotify actually, too, right? Spotify actually uploads the show. So most places when you get a podcast, it comes through the RSS feed directly from the server where you sent like that you hosted on. So we host all ours on a on a on a, a platform called Megaphone. So all the at, all the show everywhere gets that show. If I make a change or we re-upload it or edit the episode or add an add an ad or change some stuff around for one reason or another, mm -hmm. every place gets it. But Spotify uploads it so they don't get the change you actually have to you have to do some stuff to make it move because they're hosting a version of your show on their servers um and they're delivering it that way right so for joe rogan this is not possible but now for anyone else come you know after this deal these mm -hmm. things now can start setting precedents yep and you know if that if that happens then yeah you are looking at a place where ads can just be inflicted on your show and uh you know and then and we're moving toward network television, really. And that was kind of the beauty of what podcasts are and how we disseminate information and get it out there. And it is not filtered and it's not censored. And, you know, once this starts happening, if they can choose advertisers and they can choose content and then it, it's all a very slippery slope. Yeah. And it, and it, and it ruins the, the, the delightfulness of podcasts. And I'm going to use delightfulness. But I think that there is a certain amount of delight and a certain amount of uh, 
power. The more you say it, the more I'm, I'm on board. I like with the light. Using it. Yeah. The uh, delightfulness, delightful. I'm there's something about a podcast that allows, you know, the rawness, the sometimes even the unprofessionalness or the, the not professional yes. radio person, the, 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 the um, intimacy, the vulnerability of people that do this because this isn't like, this isn't something we, we went to school for. This wasn't our intentional career choice or path or whatever. Um, and that's true for most comedians and a lot of people that do this. If you lose that and it starts to get homogenized and everybody who's on there has got a, you know, a, pro a broadcast degree. And a format. And uh, yes, go on. You just lose the you lose what makes this special the and what's special. Yeah, the delightfulness. What the mm -hmm. special delight part of this is that you can create niche communities around things. You know, people make podcasts that may not get may get thousands of downloads, maybe get fifties of downloads, may get hundreds of thousands of downloads, but they're they're built for a specific niche. You know, it's not it doesn't have to be homogenized. They, they, the reason it's successful is because so many people are uh, are feeling that same way and you lose that yes. if everything comes through uh you know starts coming through the corporate machine well agreed like podcast is like porn right so for for any predilection or any idea or interest that you have there is a podcast for it whether it's on apple stitcher spotify or reddit or somewhere on the on the dark web there is a podcast about your personal predilection interest what have you right that's yep, a absolutely 100 okay so the other point of it is this is and this is again where it becomes slippery because you cannot it, it, the delightfulness. Okay, sick of using your word. Delightful. Is, yeah, but but it is the happy mistakes. It is the fact that it's not broadcast experts, and it's also the fact that we can talk about whatever the fuck we want, and we run our shows to a very large degree. Yep, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Once that, and this again, it's not happening tomorrow, but. You know, where is this going? And that does get me a, a little nervous. By the way, was there any, um, nothing new came out about this. Now Now I'm all interested in the uh, Call of Daddy. Oh, no, I haven't, I haven't looked stuff. at anything new. new. I don't, right? I think it's all, it's all quiet for now, but I haven't, I haven't looked, um, I haven't looked today. Now you said you had something before I launched into anything. You said you had something that you uh, wanted to bring up with me, but then before, and then Jordan was here, obviously, so. Oh, I don't remember anymore. I have stuff. Uh, I have things. I, um. <laughs> I don't I remember tons of things. Right, I, oh, I want, I know what I want to talk to you about. So Great. today, today this? I came, I, I swung by the Cliff Dorfman estate today. Um, <laughs> and if anybody doesn't know, it's behind a waterfall outside of, uh, you know, this big mountain cliff, right? That's why uh, he goes by cliff because his house is on a giant cliff. And I have to go, you jump into a waterfall and then you go into this cave and then you take an elevator up behind the bookcase. And that's how you get there. Um, so I went to the Dorfman estate. And as I'm driving through Calabasas this morning, I'm, I'm going there early. Mm -hmm. um, I make a, I'm not paying attention because I've only been there a couple times and um, I am bad with directions. So I missed mm -hmm. the first turn. I missed the second turn. I start going around. So I basically wrap around back through the, uh, through the, the development and get back to the house. And there is a house next to yours, a uh, few houses down that had all the inflatable, like, like all the inflatable monsters and dinosaurs that you could probably buy at party city right now alongside <laughs> they sold them out. Yeah. And then all the balloons in the world, like, like just all there, like it, you yep. could probably lift the entire front yard up with like graduation thing with balloons. If they were, if the grass wasn't like all the way <laughs> sodded in and, and then there's just a guy out there with a laptop. It's a, it's a child's birthday party. Somebody they're sitting out there prepping a child's birthday party. And I was terrified of that wow. idea. Wow. Why yeah. did that idea terrify you? Well, me. just the idea of, because kids are gooey, gross monsters. Right. And just put it, you know, could you just but, imagine but he's prepping? A, he's out there with a laptop. So you don't think he's actually having people over. I don't know. Well, it just seemed like too many balloons to just do it over. No, this it, is Calabasas. They, they overdo everything. Here, oh, okay. Except masks. Yeah, I figured he was just kind of, I thought he, you know, I thought he, I figured he was the dad, but I also figured he was the bouncer. Like it was an important enough person, like where he just <laughs> had a bouncer for our kids. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is, uh, this is Kanye's kid. Birthday okay. Party. We got blue here. We got, you know, we got, we got North. We got, you know, <laughs> there's a house at the end of my block, by the way. And it's all white. It's fucking gorgeous. It's called, Ca and, and they named it Casablanca, Uh huh. you know, cause white house, right. But, you know, Casablanca, it's, you know, Bogart. So, by the way, if you haven't seen Casablanca, please go see it. Okay. Here, here just real quick. Dylan yes. said that um, this is the, the latest. They might post competing podcasts on Barstool. 
Oh, wait, but didn't they already say that? that uh, Dylan, and I'm asking. I'm not like uh, being like, oh, they already said that, buddy. Uh, but I thought that he said that he'd give her a podcast and then run Sophia's uh, podcast off of uh, the Call Her Daddy RSS. Yeah, I think that that might have been something offered. Maybe they're actually going to do it. Maybe they're going to do it. Well, that would be awesome, actually. Competing podcasts. Oh, so Why this not? is the thing. Nancy says it's drive-by birthday parties and they go out with it. That seems like such a waste. Like, it's sort of virtual. Like, wow. Just have to get up. It feels like you did something for him. Yeah. You know, like, oh, the balloons are there and it's like all a happy thing as opposed to like, we're stuck in. Here's what I would like to do then. I'm gonna, I, I don't know how to do this and I'm going to set this up because I don't have any of the equipment and I'm not very good with a saw. For my birthday, my birthday's <laughs> next Thursday. I'm going to stand. If I can find a dunk tank, I'll set it up in my front yard. I'll sit in the dunk tank. I'll sit above the dunk tank, and people can drive by and throw tennis balls at it for my birthday uh, and see if they could dunk Church, me. Church, can we get on that? Finding a, a dunk tank, a sap. Because uh, then at least there's possible. some interaction, right? Like, I'm still in a glass, right? Right, and they get to throw a thing, and maybe you fall. Yeah. And then there's something. It's not just a drive-by honking. No, it's something. like Drive-by fruiting. We're literally connecting. I could put a little microphone and a speaker out there and and, um, and just shout insults and, and birthday messages as people drive by. And then, then I feel like we're touching in a weird sort of way, like we're actually connected. Well, let's set up a Bose sound system outside the dunk tank that when they dunk you, we just hear diabetes. Dab oh, diabetes. Diabetes, diabetes. That's all I want to do. Right, that's it. The second every time they dunk you, it's like ding. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's what I want to happen on his birthday. All right, I'm launching into content unless you got something. No, no, no let's go into content. Things. All right, so let's get this out of the way first. If you've been watching anything, because we know I, I have. I have been doing a couple things. I was rewatching, um, and I just finished the third season, mm -hmm. so I don't know why I actually did this, but I, I started rewatching uh, Future Man um, from the beginning. Ah, really? um, so I, yeah, I, I don't know why. How is it the second time around? Good. The first season's great. The second season's kind of weird, but um, it's it's still really funny. It's just such a funny show, and they've actually got some really funny sci-fi tropes in there that if you weren't paying attention, didn't you know, get called right. out. I was just really impressed with it. There so I've been watching. Eggs. Yeah. And you like it as well, you know, or as much the second time. Yeah. Around. It turns out I forgot almost everything that happened in the second season. The first three episodes of that season, I didn't even remember watching. It was so foreign to, really? to my memory. Yeah. And that's huh. that's kind of normal. But at the same time, it was like I, I enjoyed kind of getting back into it. Well, what's interesting about that, and, and we'll launch off it, but what's interesting about those first three episodes is that if you look at them and you go back and look at them, they are very raunchy, very sex-driven, oh, yeah. very cum-joke-driven, a mm -hmm. uh, lot of actual cum. You know, not actual cum, but you know, whatever. The well, that first one, yeah, he, he, he comes all over uh, wolves. Yeah, but this is what I'm saying. And, and then they moved away from that. You see it. After the first few episodes on season one, they just kind of went towards a PG-13 sci-fi idea. Yeah. And then they went a little more R with Seth coming in, Seth Rogen yeah. coming in in the third season. On that whole second season where they live in like the post-apocalyptic future thing, because it's the whole season set basically in right. at, like a future world where we live at Burning Man. World. Yeah, I was thinking Burning Man world with with robots, but uh, it even looks like as I they like look over it, it looks so much like the Black Rock Desert that I wouldn't be surprised if they took some photos. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed uh -huh. it, um, and uh, I my favorite thing is just Wolf is just my favorite new like character, um, just the way he gets like so into whatever he's doing, um, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Dylan. We see. Yes, that's what we do here. We stop and look at your. Things, and we <laughs> uh, might even talk about it. But uh, yeah. But I. So I, I just had a lot of fun. But I just love the way every time Wolf kills somebody with something, he has to yell it out. Like if it's a kick to the head, it's like scissor kick to the face. <laughs> Johnny, yeah, Wolf far. is by far. Yeah. Wolf is by far my favorite character. Rolling pin, and then he just gets so into it. He got so into the '80s, and then when he had to be like the 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 the, the breadwinner for their six-person family, yeah, exactly. He's like yep. one of six parents. He like he just em he embraces it with gusto. Embraces it. Yeah, everything everything he did. Now listen, all right, you're gonna get me. I I think someone could do a thesis on Wolf. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I challenge anyone to do that. All right, so future man. It, uh, I don't see myself going through it the second time, even though I really did like it a lot. Uh, okay. I found a very interesting show on oh, Netflix no. called White Lines. Have you, you know, I've seen this? it on there. 
Um, I assumed it was about cocaine and or um, rap music from the early 80s, late 70s. Is it either? You're, of you're close. You, well, it's one. Yes, it's, it's the cocaine. But okay. it, it's, it's only incidental, which is interesting. Um, what this show is, it's a British export. Uh, and you ever see a movie called The Limey? Yes, I saw The Limey. One of my favorite. I mean, I, that's in my top 15 films, The Limey. Oh, it's a great uh, show. A great it, movie. That's what, circa 2001, 2000. Stamp. Yep. Yeah. Stamp. Uh, wonderful screenplay. Revenge film. You know, very much after the, uh, you know, the idea of hardcore with George C. Scott in the 70s. A father goes uh, from a rural, you know, religious upbringing, has to go to hardcore New York City uh, uh, porn district to find his runaway daughter who he believes is lost in the porn <laughs> world. Uh, the Limey is an ex-convict who comes out of jail in England and his daughter is dead, uh, is found dead in Los Angeles and he has to go track down Peter Fonda in the music industry to find out who killed his daughter. They don't think he's a threat because he's old, right. but he right. ends up being a threat. Well, but this, Neil before Zod. Um. <laughs> right, but this is always like, it's a good structure. It's a good way into something. Now, this is a girl from Liverpool or Manchester, and uh, it's one of the two. And her brother, there's an eight-year difference or so. Her brother left when he was like 21 and she was 13 to go to Ibiza. And he's a DJ. And this is in Ibiza. 90... Ibiza. That's what I said, Ibiza. Ibiza. I think you got to roll Ibiza. all of it into one big... Ibiza. 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 <laughs> well, well, yeah, he went to Ibiza and uh, to be a DJ. And, and it was on the cusp, you know, the uh, precipice, I should say, of the EDM dance scene in Ibiza. And he gets involved. And, and 20 years ago, he disappears. And now the show opens up. They find this guy's body mummified in the desert in Ibiza. Uh, on this, you know, uh, impresario's land who, like, runs most of the island of Ibiza. Mm -hmm. And it becomes this, I'm going to find out what happened to my brother. And it's a little wacky, but it's fucking violent. And what it does so well is it gets you into the underbelly of this subculture of Ibiza. Mm, and it's really dark. There's all kinds of orgies. There's, you know, and she, as she, you know, it's Alice through the looking glass as she goes deeper down the rabbit hole. Mm. It's, uh, it's pretty fast. And mm. whoever wrote it. Actually, the, my, the best orgy I ever went to was called the rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna let that it was go. called the rabbit's hole. Um, I want you to think about what you've done. <laughs> Sorry. I make bad orgy jokes. That's just my thing. Listen, we, we always seem to get back to orgies here for some reason. How far into the show have you gotten? Oh, I'm halfway in already. I'll, okay. I'll be done you know, shortly. Uh, so, I, listen, it's a, it's a good ride. It's not, in other words, we're in an absence of really great things coming out. But Pat mm -hmm. Oswalt's new special. Oh, that's a, it's so good. He's, have you seen it? Suits him, yes. Oh. I mean, this guy, well, happiness, first of all, his, his woman, Meredith Salinger, genius actress, went to Harvard, good friend of mine, it's a wonderful person, by the way, uh, but it's wonderful when real people out here are able to find each other. And this guy, because we look at his last special, he went through tragedy, you know, who goes through that? He said, tell his daughter, and he made a show out of it. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Now, you're right, happiness suits the guy. Yeah, he deserves it. He's, he's right? got for a lot And how stuff. good is this special on Netflix? Oh, it's so good, and that's, that's the other thing I like. I'm I'm actually looking forward to this like that kind of comedy, the comedy that comes out of happiness a little bit. Yeah, because like, comedy from pain. Don't get me wrong. Sure, bring most, it. if not all, comes from pain. Rick and Morty, yes. as an example, is is a thing. But sometimes comedy out of happiness, it's a nice change of pace. Uh, listen, I'm with you a thousand percent. It's on Netflix. What's it called again? Remind me. I'll, I'll let me look. I, let me just make sure. And wasn't he just on a uh, a Starburns? show was on uh he was on a show that we actually um were working with uh the daily beasts uh uh the last lap right so uh he was just and he's also got one of the funniest episodes of dumb people town i think he's been on a couple times he's been on the sklar brothers dumb people town a couple times and it well, he's so good yeah he's well he's also you know i mean he's the voice of the kid on the goldbergs he's oh which by the way as i was falling asleep to solar uh, opposites last night um because it's got that right resonance for me. I realized that the fucking kid alien's voice yeah, is the that's kid Goldberg from the fucking kid. Goldbergs. That's the kid from the Goldbergs, yep. Uh, does that pull you out of it a little? Um, it it pulled me out of it when I was trying to figure out who it was, because I spent a lot of time uh -huh. trying to figure out who was that. But then once I got there... Looking it up. Uh, oh, I, I have the name of the show, by the way. It's uh, What is it? It's uh, I Love Everything. 
Patton Oswalt, I love everything on Netflix. So I, I, I give that a, a big recommendation. He's just, the guy is, could not be more talented. All right, so I digress. I, I have to say it kind of pulled me out of it, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit. I don't know if I really am uh, where I land on that kid as far as funny. Oh, yeah. No, I think, I mean, I think I, I, I watched him on The Family Feud, and he doesn't look like he really says anything. He looks like a kid that is really good at reading lines, and that's about the thing. Well, you bring up an interesting point. He's really good at reading lines. Is that a real lazy eye? Because I yeah. know Adam F. Goldberg has a real lazy eye. Not, as, not as lazy as that, but kind of. Those glasses the... are real. That glasses are real. So he has an actual lazy eye. Yeah, I, I don't know for sure, but like I saw the glasses that he was wearing on uh, Family Feud, and those were those were things that any other kid would have gotten beat up for for coming to school. Right, and this kid's getting laid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's also like twenty years old. He just looks like a 12, 16 year old. Is he fucking twenty three? That guy? It's like twenty twenty. Yeah, he's older. He's that, all, all right, those. We have to go, are, don't we? Yeah, we do. We could talk about. I you know, know, I know. We have to go. We have to wrap it up. So go ahead. What do you got, Jason? Uh, I was just going to say that first. I'm going to put our. I'm trying to put our theme music through the bottom. Uh, uh, but uh, we have a really awesome guest tomorrow too, uh, mm -hmm. Philip Molina, um, and he Philip is Molina. he is awesome. He's one of my very good friends, and he does uh, a podcast, the New Rock Stars podcast, and he runs does a lot of stuff over there. And I'm really excited to have him tomorrow. Can't wait. So we have a great show to end off the weekend, and the next week is Jason's birthday week. Birthday We're week. like a Silver Lake hipster here. It's his birthday week. Uh, I might, so, I'm going to diet. Oh. I'm going to diet hipster, hipster brown. <laughs> All right. Thank you for tuning in and coming around for another episode of Stuck at Home with Cliff and Jason. Stay safe. Stay sane. Stay strong. Jason Smith. Cliff Dorfman. Everybody take care of each other. We love you. Thank you for being stuck at home with us. Love you. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.